Hey, 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 everybody. My name's Ryan Atkinson, and you are on the Business Cloud. Guys, if you are interested in side hustles, today is the episode for you. We bring in Nick Loper, who is the guru, who is the king of side hustles. We talk about what he's excited for, how to start a side hustle, what some of the best side hustles are. Um, we even talk about his podcast, The Side Hustle Show, which has over 1,200 ratings. Um, we talk about like how to scale your pod or how to scale scale your side hustle. Excuse me, how to really get that side hustle off the ground and running, um, and why side hustles are so important just for a secondary source of income. Um, if you're trying to escape that like nine to five uh, and get started with a side hustle, this is really the episode for you. Um, so you guys got to check out the Side Hustle Show and also the SideHustleNation.com. Uh, Nick has so many resources on that website, on his website, um, for you to check out. Um, subscribe to his newsletter. He's putting out great content every single day, every single week. Um, and I have learned a lot from Nick, and I was so excited to get him actually on the podcast. He is really the man to talk about side hustles. So, guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, please click follow. Please click subscribe um, and give it a five-star rating even. that All of it really does mean a lot to me. I do appreciate the support. I really do appreciate the love, guys. So, Let's dive into today's episode and learn a little bit more about side hustles and why they are so important to get that secondary source of income. Um, so I want to welcome Nick Loper to the show. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited to speak with you today. You bet. Thanks for having me. Before we get started, I want to ask you our fun kickoff question just to get to know you a little bit more if that sounds good to you. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> So I saw this question actually the other day on Twitter and I was like, oh, like I know what I would do. Um, so if you could out, outsource one activity in your life, what would that activity be? Oh my gosh. Outsource one activity. I mean, I outsource a lot of stuff uh, yeah. for work. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like more personal stuff. One thing that we've genuinely been kicking around is like personal chef type of service. Okay. Where it's like, if we just did not have to think about meal planning, shopping, <laughs> cooking, like all of that, like that would be incredible if that was, I'm sure there are services out there that exist where it's like, just hit the easy button. This is kind of the food that we like. If that just appeared somehow in on the table, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I know I could definitely utilize that. I'm still on that like college diet of like making, shove it in the oven, pre-cook it, and hopefully it turns out okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um, funny, um, a, fr a friend of mine, actually a couple of friends, they like banded together in their early twenties. They lived in what they called the entrepreneur house where, you know, sp split five ways. The rent was pretty cheap yeah. and, and split five ways. They were able to hire this like personal chef service. They'd have like their smoothies ready to go. And they'd have all these like healthy meals and stuff. And they were just, you know, hammering away at their laptops, you know, most of the day it was, <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool idea. Actually, it's kind of like a continuation of the college experience hopefully uh, with a little more income on on the side i love it i love it and i want to turn the floor over to you i want to know more about nick loper the audience wants to know more about nick loper as well so can you just give us a quick introduction of who you are and all your awesome accomplishments oh my goodness uh <laughs> quick introduction so i'm a uh, father and a, and a husband we've got two young boys they're five and three that occupy uh, as they should, a lot of uh, a lot of our time and attention these days. Um, Business-wise, I started the Side Hustle Show eight years ago, and we're coming up on 450 episodes uh, at this point, showcasing wow. different part-time business ideas that um, that you can that you can do in your spare time. Um, 
the the blog and podcast has become the main focus after the first year and a half of doing the show. So the original side hustle for me was a footwear comparison shopping site, which was, um, you know, it, was, it would bring in the catalogs from Amazon and Zappos and all these other footwear retailers, tell you where you could find the best price on your next <laughs> pair of shoes. Um, comparison shopping is is not what it once was. Like your, your listeners may not remember, you know, in the early days of the internet, you, you know, now everybody kind of just starts at Amazon rather than yeah. one of these comparison sites. But that was my gig that I kind of naively thought I could be the, the dude who sells shoes on the internet. <laughs> like that could just be my thing. Uh, but very grateful to have started several projects on the side from that, most of which failed for full disclosure, yeah. but a couple of them uh, stuck around and outlived that business. And that is kind of the, uh, the quick and dirty of what got me here. <laughs> I love it. What did, I mean, what did get you here? I mean, what made you want to start all these like side projects and kind of go off on your own on these side hustles? I mean, I was the guy, I, I guess I was grateful to be bit by the entrepreneurial bug really early yeah. in college. Um, I had a, uh, a house painting internship, they called it. Um, and of course they don't tell you it's house painting until like, you're kind of like already bought in. Yeah. Some gal uh, came, she came into our class. She ended up being my manager. Um, and she comes into my like intro to statistics class. Do you want a summer internship where you learn sales and marketing and entrepreneurship and customer service? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like an incredible. And by the way, oh, you'd earn an average of $7,000 or something yeah. like, how, you know, where do I sign, you know? And then you kind of like, they don't really tell you it's painting until you're like two or three steps down the process. And by that time you're kind of bought in. Yeah. Um, but that was a really, really formative experience for me. Cause that was like, you know, introverted Nick, yeah. like, you know, having to cold call for business, having to sell these paint jobs, having to figure out a way to deliver on that promise, deliver on that work, um, and and then getting to work outside with friends, like it was it was really cool. Um, that the the, uh, the company posts, uh, you know, at the at the end of the summer, they post this like internal blog post, and if you're reading this, we probably ruined your life. And I was like, well, I'm clicking oh. on that headline, and it goes on to explain like if you made it this far you're probably not going to be able to work a traditional job, right? You've had a taste. You've had this taste of working for profits and not wages. You've had a taste of like being in charge of your own schedule. And they were pretty right about that. So even though there was jobs after that, another internship, and then eventually working corporate after graduation, there was always this like, do I really want, I don't really want to climb the corporate ladder. I want to, yeah. you know, build my own ladder. I want to, you know, I want to be doing my own thing. I just didn't know. Uh, necessarily what that would be uh, right away. Yeah. And you're obviously you're involved in so much you're involved in like Facebook ads, uh, merch by Amazon, you're self publishing books, audiobooks, affiliate marketing. Um, is there one that you like really enjoy doing or one that really stands out to you? Like, I love this one, maybe because it's most profitable, but I also really enjoy it. Yeah, the affiliate marketing stuff has been the bulk of the income for, you know, going back to the shoe selling days. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, probably, oh gosh, even longer than 15 years. I'm really old. Like, I think that's <laughs> no. probably your biggest takeaway from this, from this call. Um, I've been at this for a long time. The reason that, that I like that is it, it's relatively hands-off. Of course, it's a ton of effort to get your content mm. to show up in Google and have people, uh, you know, respect and pay attention to you and trust you and all that stuff. Um, but once it's up there, it's relatively hands-off and it's time leveraged. I remember, um, you know, being able to take off, um, you know, when there was a storm and go skiing. Yeah. And if, if, you know, 
the, the weather doesn't care that it's not the weekend. You know, it's like <laughs> the storm is coming when the storm is coming. And, you know, all my friends would be like, ah, I got to work. I got to, you know, I'm like, you guys are so lame. You know, it's Tuesday and there's powder. Let's go. Um, and I remember uh, coming back from one of those, logging back in, like pre-smartphone, like checking the affiliate reports and having made more than enough to pay for gas, more than enough to pay for the lift ticket. And it was like, I didn't work at all today. Like that was this incredible feeling of, of this time leverage thing. Like, and same thing with blogging, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, for the first several years, my hourly rate from blogging was so far below minimum wage. It was not even <laughs> funny, but it's gotten better over time. And so that's one of the things when you're choosing a side hustle, you kind of have to project two, three, five years out into the future. Mm -hmm. What does success look like here? You know, yeah. if I can find somebody who's walked that path, uh, what is their day-to-day -day look like and, and is that an outcome that I'd be happy with versus um I don't know some of the some of the side hustles and not to knock any of them because you know everything is viable for the right person yeah. but it's like okay if you're going to be making the same relatively speaking in five years then yeah. I, I don't know that's that's a hard that's a hard sell you want something at least I did with something uh, with a little more upside potential if that makes sense no that definitely makes sense um, and that really brings me to the question, like, what's like the most important thing one should consider when starting a side hustle? Is it that five-year growth of that's what I want to be doing in five years? Or what does that look like if, you know, I want to choose a side hustle, where do I even start? Yeah, I would start with the uh, pains or problems that you have overcome in your own life or that people are naturally turning to you for support with, because mm -hmm. there's some, there's already some level of perceived authority. And maybe you cross-reference that with what are you into what are you excited about? What um, what do you never get tired about talking about? Like yeah. for me, it was not shoes, but the idea of you know deconstructing business ideas. Like where do, where does the money come from? Like that still <laughs> is exciting to me, and that was kind of the the origin of the blog and podcast. It's mm -hmm. like, well, I've done a few little ventures and had some some medium success, but what if I could point the mic at at other people and <laughs> like have them tell? How they did it, and that took off far faster than anything that I ever wrote um, was was sharing those stories. Um, so cross referencing those two things, and then trying to figure out okay, who's the audience that um, that I want to serve with that? And there's lots of different ways to do that. Mm -hmm. um, there's probably three main business models. We call them you know the big three business models, which pretty much any company in the world falls under one of these three, or yeah. or maybe there's some overlap, but that's selling a service. Um, selling a product or, you know, this content-based yeah. business where it's like, oh, you know, I'll sell money or I'll make money on ads or affiliate mm -hmm. stuff or something down the road. But if we look through the lens of like, well, a, a dirty house is the problem. And yeah. there's, you know, companies out there who solve that problem and they do it under those three different umbrellas. They solve it, well, service-based, well, you can hire a cleaning service. Product-based, well, if you want to do it yourself, there's all these, um, you know, you can go buy cleaning sprays and cleaning products yeah. and vacuum cleaners and stuff like that. And then there's the content-based approach where you can watch YouTube videos about, you know, how to declutter your home and, uh, and all this. Uh, so there's different ways to tackle it, but if you can uh, find the problem first and then figure out the audience for that and then say, okay, what kind of solution or what it would be uh, a solution that I could provide or, or yeah. help these people uh, make that problem, make that pain go away. I think you're on the right track to starting to come up with some business ideas. I love it. And is there one that's easier than the other? Cause I feel like they always say like software is just so scalable. 
Um, but it's a really competitive industry products. I mean, it's just hard to make hardware or whatever you want to make. Um, is there one that's easier than the other or? I uh, don't, don't start with software. Probably <laughs> like, I'm going to make an app. Like, uh, I mean, it's awesome. It's sexy. It's, you know, it is like the perfect business model, yeah. right? You know, sell it, or, you know, build it once, sell it over and over again. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, the, what I found, which was interesting was more side hustle show guests started with a service-based model than any other. And that's not where they necessarily ended up, but that was kind of like their foot in the door or that was their, you know, toe dip into the entrepreneurial waters. And the reason for that is like, there's almost no overhead in most, in most industries, most niches. Um, you know, you can stick your flag in the sand, you know, you know, put up your sign, like, Hey, I'm, I'm open for business and just go find a customer. And all of a sudden you're, you're rocking and rolling there. Uh, versus, well, I got to build an audience. Yeah. I got to, I got to import a product. I, you know, there's all sorts of ways to spend and potentially lose a ton of money in other business models or time uh, versus this one, where it's relatively quickly to uh, test and iterate, see what, see what resonates. And if it doesn't, okay, well, try, uh, try a different idea. Yeah. And honestly, that brings me to like one of the most creative side hustles I've heard on your show. When I was, at, I was, I'll tell you, I was walking on the treadmill when I heard it and my jaw literally dropped. It's when the guy spray paints parking lots and he was talking, he makes like $164,000 a year and doesn't work winters. And I was like, it's right under all of our feet. Like it's right there. Um, yeah. And that, that falls under that service category, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. That's Dan Zercher, I think American striping, and he was like striping with one P. I was like, yes, if you if you do American striping with two P's, you'll get something very different. Yep. I remember that one. Yeah. And I mean, that's like the creative side hustles that people don't think of. And people think innovation's dead in America, but that proves it is certainly not. Um, another one I loved um, was the sleep podcast that literally puts people to sleep. Um, okay. Okay. That one was- Yeah. Uh, sleep with me. This is a scooter. Um, forget his last name, but super popular podcast just telling boring bedtime stories for grown-ups I was like <laughs> this are you are you kidding me this is an actual thing I met him at the at one of our meetups here locally in uh, Northern California I was like huh uh he what was interesting about him too um well you know he was I guess at a barbecue yeah um, and somebody from like Casper mattresses was there somebody was like we want to advertise on your show but we want to do it at the very beginning you know before the people actually fall asleep I was like yeah that makes sense um and he talked about scaling back at his day job where it's like, okay, starting the side hustle. Okay. I'm going to go start to do. Okay. You know, go yep. back to four days a week at, uh, at work at the day job and starts to do a little bit better down to three days a week, down to two days a week. And kind of like, it was a very, um, it felt like a very over the course of several years, like this transition out of, uh, out of a traditional corporate gig. Yeah. And yeah, I also want to ask, cause I think he's also the same one that said, like, I put quit dates on my like calendar. Like when I got to this date, I would evaluate, do I want to quit? And yeah. every time he got there, he said, no, I want to keep going. Um, so someone starting a side hustle, should they have those like quick quit dates in mind where it's like, okay, if I get here and I'm not seeing what I want to do, or I'm not really passionate about it, I should probably stop doing this or how, how should one evaluate that? I kind of like that idea, you know, setting a target, you know, maybe it's, two months down the road, maybe it's two weeks yeah. down the road, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe it's two years down the road. I didn't know what I was getting into when I started the show. It was like, I'm going <laughs> to run out of people to talk to. And I, it probably, 
in one sense, I'm glad I didn't have a quit date like in yeah. two months because I probably would have been like, well, the numbers don't really justify continuing to do this. But um, what I found was I enjoyed the work and was seeing like mm. just enough traction, you know, on the chart to to keep at it. Um, my general rule for when it is time to, you know, throw in the towel is when you come to dread the work. Yes. So if it's something that you still enjoy doing and you have this, you know, future future vision that like, mm. yes, there is some traction, there is a path to profitability down the road, then okay, maybe you, you know, kick out that quick date another two months or another six months and see where you're at. Um, I think the IRS will let you write off a hobby uh, as a business <laughs> expense for like five years before they say like, ah, sorry, dude, you just suck at business. You can't, you can't deduct these losses anymore. I love it. Yeah. And so that's what I think is one of the most challenging things is, you know, finding those metrics of I am having success. I need to keep doing this, but it's also balancing that passion. Cause for me personally, like we have the metrics like going up, but it's also, I really enjoy doing this. So it's like, I got to keep doing it. So is that really the importance of a side hustle? You have to find something you really enjoy doing. You got to, I mean, I don't know if you need to be super passionate about the topic, but you need to be at least interested and excited about the labor related to that topic. Okay. Like, like I didn't care particularly, you know, I didn't care about shoes really at all, but I was <laughs> really excited about the process of, you know, optimizing and building mm. up the ad inventory and, you know, managing like all this database, like all that stuff was super cool. Um, but the product itself was kind of, kind of medium. Um, i trying to think what else on the excitement front. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll kick it back to you. Yeah, no. Yeah. There's, there's just so many like side hustles out there. Um, what, what is your favorite side hustle that you've like heard of, or that you've heard people do? And I'm curious, I want to throw that, I want to kick it back to you and ask you that question. <laughs> there's so many random ones. It's, um, it's, I was, yeah, like I said, I was worried about running out of content and now it's like, you know, there are a million and one ways uh, to get this done. A couple of models that are interesting to me or exciting to me right now, one would be like a local service, uh, call it a drop servicing model. And, and you could even, you don't even have to worry about the drop part. It could just be local services because I think there is room for disruption in this, you know, like local home services, traditionally blue collar services, uh, number one, because they're just seems to be a diminishing supply of qualified people to do the work. It's not cool to go into the trades. Like just people aren't, aren't doing it. So there's this uh, diminishing supply. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, there's this growth in demand of people, you know, millennial homeowners, Gen Z homeowners yeah. who are like, I don't want to be bothered with this stuff. This is not how I want to be spending my weekend trying to mm -hmm. clean gutters or, you know, yeah. what I like, I just hire somebody to do that we had a woman who was doing pet waste removal as her side hustle mm -hmm. where the lightning or the light bulb was like picking up her own dog's poop in the backyard yep. and be like this is kind of a pain but you know if it's kind of if it's a pain for me it's probably a pain for other people <laughs> is there is is this a thing that people pay for sure enough there was already like some local competition that had pooper mm. scooper businesses so <laughs> she was like you know what i'm going for it and what was cool about that one is recurring weekly revenue. Yeah. When we last caught up, she had like 120 recurring weekly customers. It's like, <laughs> you know, and she'd kind of graduated from doing the pooper scooper stuff, yep. you know, to now playing administrator, marketer, manager, yep. and had a, a crew going out and doing this stuff. Um, so I like that model. Um, and I think there's room for, I think there's room to bring a digital marketing mindset, a digital Ooh. first mindset to some of these 
um, you know, traditionally offline businesses. Yeah. Like we talked to a couple, Anthony and Janilka Hartzog out of uh, Dallas this winter who had built up this cleaning business. Mm. And that by the time we connected, they'd done like 700, 800 cleaning jobs. Of those, they'd had to go out and do three of them themselves. Just like, hey, we were overbooked. But the, the main model was, look, we're gonna go find qualified cleaners to go do this work who mm. already know what they're doing and are just to fill up more of their schedule. Like, hey, yeah. look, we already have this skill set, but we have extra availability on a Thursday afternoon. If you got an extra booking for us, we'll, we'll take it. Mm-hmm. And so they were doing, at that time, 20, 25 grand a month in oh. bookings. And they said their revenue split was 60-40, 60% to the cleaning contractor, 40% to them to cover overhead, profit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, marketing, because they're trying to play like the local SEO game. Yeah. But so much of what you see in these service-based businesses, like, you know, if they have a website at all, it looks like it's from 1998, you know, fax me for a quote type of thing. <laughs> it's like, no, I, you know, Amazon has spoiled me. I want to click the button. Just tell me the price, you know, at, book a time, like make it easy for me. And so we've seen some people having cool success in, um, in modernizing uh, some of that, uh, some of that stuff. Yeah. And back to like that pooper scooper one. Um, so yeah, she was doing crazy and she made that shift from doing it all herself to hiring out people, just like you said. Um, when do you think I cannot wait till I get to this point? When do you think <laughs> you like really like make that shift to saying, okay, I need to really start focusing on marketing, hiring, being a leader, being a manager. When does that shift happen in a side hustle? Yeah, there are a couple well, I mean, one one way would be to like um you know, shift the mindset from the very beginning instead mm-hmm. of like I I walk dogs as a side hustle, like yeah. no think I am the owner of a dog walking service um, instead of like, oh, I'm a freelance writer. I'm the owner of a, of a content agency or something mm-hmm. like, so if you, if you can shift it at the earliest stages and, and then build that margin in, I think that's probably going to be a lot easier than trying to pull yourself out um, later down the road, especially if your marketing is based around you as the expert. Like I, I you know, I've been cleaning gutters <laughs> since I was a young boy and it's like my lifelong passion to get up on this ladder and clean gunk out. Um, probably a weird, a weird example, but like, especially like the digital marketing stuff, like if they're hiring you as the go-to SEO expert or something like it's, it can be more difficult to remove yourself from that. So if you can do it from the get-go, I think that would be positive, but we've seen other people extract themselves over time too. Cause it's like, well, is the customer really buying you or are they buying the result? Like, do they want their car detailed or do they really, really want your, their car detailed by you? It's like, yeah. they probably just want to have a nice clean car, you know? Uh, and if you can find qualified people to go do that, then uh, then by all means. The challenge is if you have priced low, like there's now this other step of like, well, how do I uh, make sure that I've got enough margin in here to still, because, you know, you still have the risk as the business mm-hmm. owner for liability and everything. And like, you know, there's non-significant overhead involved. Um, but other people just want a job. So it's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I would go about it. I mean, I, I underbid so many paint jobs because I was afraid of not getting enough work. And I was, you know, I painted way more than I was supposed to. Um, so it's easier said than done, but that's kind of uh, where I'm thinking the approach would be. Yeah, that's crazy. And here is that statistic. I found it so fascinating. Um, and in full transparency, I must give uh, credits to your SEO and your blog. I looked up uh, like side hustle statistics, 2021 and find something cool. 
uh, clicked on the first page and scrolling. I was like, oh, this is a cool page. It was your, it was side hustle nation. I said, Hey, (laughs) my SEO is working. (laughs) Yeah. So your SEO is actually amazing. Um, but the statistic is, um, 45% of working Americans report having a side hustle. Millennials are 50%. Um, and an additional 60 million people plan to start a side hustle in 2021. Um, just what's your take on that? Why do you think people are wanting to find these side hustles? What, what makes side hustles so attractive? Um, two parts. So one is the kind of like, you know, negative economic news part where they're approaching it out of necessity. Yep. Says, oh, you know, over the last generation, we've seen the costs of housing and insurance and uh, education, you know, really go up exponentially where we've seen, you know, just in the last few years, real wages, you know, kind of creep up a little bit, but not nearly enough to keep pace. So there's this element of necessity, like I need to make extra money uh, just to kind of make ends meet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the second part of it is this like proactive, I I just want to be able to use my free time more productively, more effectively. I'd like to build something on my own that maybe, uh, you know, eclipses the day job at some point. Maybe this becomes my full-time thing. Mm-hmm. I think part of that's driven by, you know, you see what's out there on social media, which is yeah. a you know, in a way, it's a pretty horrible thing to feed your brain <laughs> on on a daily basis because you're just looking at everybody else's like highlight reel. Yeah. Like, uh, that, okay, you know, so you get to think that it's all <laughs> highlight reel all the time. No. But one good thing that is available, or uh, one good thing that's come out of it, is you see what other people are capable of. People yep. who are just like okay. you and me, and say like, oh, they're starting this thing, or you know, they you know they were able to do this, and so it makes you think like. Oh, okay. Other people are doing it, and not just you know, so, you know, quote celebrity entrepreneurs yeah. and stuff. Um, because for a long time, the narrative out of Silicon Valley was, um, and I, I want to say this is Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, you know, an entrepreneur is somebody who jumps off a cliff and figures out how to build the parachute on their way down. Like, yep. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. You know, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm more risk averse than that, and I think uh, the side hustle path is more realistic for a lot of people. Um, so those, those are kind of the two angles, this, um, you know, reactive, I need to make rent next month, mm-hmm. uh, side of things, which is, that's a difficult position to be in. Yeah. And then the other side is this like proactive, I want to build something that I care about and, uh, just, you know, open to different options there. And that person typically has a little bit more runway. Cause it's like, well, you know, the day job is okay, but it's not so soul sucking. I want to gouge yeah. my eyes out, you know, and, <laughs> and leave tomorrow, um, so it's like, okay, you know, and, and that was where I was coming from. I wasn't the person who hated my job. I didn't see myself there long-term, but, you know, it was, it was motivating to get out of, but it wasn't like crazy, crazy urgent. Yeah, I love that. And we are kind of wanting down on time. I have two more questions. Um, the first question is, so if you were a 22-year-old, young 20-year-old right now, and you had a little bit of cash, we'll say, let's say $2,500, um, what, what, how would you invest that money? Um, where would that money be put to to start a side hustle? Um, that's about what my pickup truck cost uh, back in the day <laughs> to do the painting thing. So I'm very tempted to go down that uh, service-based business uh, route again, <laughs> or the drop servicing model where you can kind of play the digital operator and you know meet uh, qualified talent on the ground. The other model and this wouldn't cost you anywhere near 2,500 bucks to get off the ground. That is interesting to me today is this email newsletter model where if there's something that you care about, um, there are, there's likely other people that care about that too, whether that's, um, you know, science education or 
um, you know, French bulldogs or, <laughs> you know, hydroponics or, you know, I don't know what, but like, if you could start a curated newsletter around that, where like, you know, here are the best resources that I found on this topic. Like um, if you could do that every day, you could do that every week, you know, just become part of somebody's like regular cadence. You build that relationship. You're helping them like break through all of the clutter, all the noise that's out there. So it becomes a valuable service. Once you have somebody paying attention to you, and this is kind of like that audience-based business, you got all sorts of options where yeah. you can monetize with ads, you can monetize with affiliates, mm. you can sell your own products or services. The world really starts to open up. And so that's one that I'm excited about. You could build on SendFox, which I want to say um, has like built-in referral marketing where you could like, Ooh. you know, incentivize people to share this with other people they might know who are into that sort of thing. Um, so if I'm, and I, I know I've said this probably for a couple of years, but like if I was to start a new venture today, it would probably be a newsletter first venture. I love that. And yeah, the morning brew, they're killing it with that. Alex Lieberman's doing an amazing job. The hustle they're, um, yeah, they're all doing amazing. I think that's a yeah. very, uh, intriguing field just because if you're interested in it as Alex is, if you're the consumer, other people are going to be interested as well. <laughs> so yeah. That's why I, I'm also excited for that one. And something that's one I've also considered. Um, but our last question that I want to ask you is you just came out with your valedictorian speech when you're 18 years old. Um, one of my favorite parts of that is you asked her math book when you were four years old, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Kudos to you. That's not what I was asking for. Um, <laughs> and that you're like the main topic around it, as you said, in it was like, find something you're good at and doing your best in it, whatever you are, be a good one, Abraham Lincoln. Um, what would you say to a 22 year old, um, what would you say to a 22 year old if you're giving a TED talk to them specifically? <laughs> I know graduation advice. It's kind of, yeah. Thanks for, for listening to that. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, it's like, well, I, you know, we found, we found the DVDs. So yeah. like, well, let's see if we can digitize this. Um, the advice today would be more uh, like financially minded. I like so that. I was really grateful to have this, um, this math teacher in, in high school who was like all into like, dollar cost averaging and, you know, compound yeah. interest and, and all that stuff where he kind of stopped short was like the end game. It's like, okay, so you do that for 40 years and now you have this, you know, $7 million, you know, hypothetical nest egg. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, that sounds cool, but you know, what's it, what's it all for? It's like, and do you really need $7 million? Like you might not. Um, so the advice today would be to really like mind the margin. Um, Cause I see a lot of people live up to their means and beyond their means. And so by mind the margin, I mean like life gets so much easier when you have some financial breathing room. Mm -hmm. um, and so like after graduation, I, you know, I was in a hurry to, you know, get a place of my own, like be a big yeah. kid, be grown up. And it was like, it wasn't anywhere near as fun as living with a bunch of roommates for a third of the cost in college. It was like, yeah. what was, you know, I don't know. It felt, it, it felt more grown up for sure, but it cost a lot more money and it wasn't as fun. So I was like, well, maybe there's, uh, it could have been a better steward of, uh, of the margin that I had in my life at that time. Um, and that's really where the magic happens because that gives you money to invest. That gives you money to get new ventures off the ground if necessary. And it gives you this rainy day fund if the, the job that you thought was secure becomes less secure. Mm -hmm. um, so it'd be about minding that margin, protecting it, investing it, and using that to, to buy back your time on a much accelerated uh, schedule than just, you know, banking on, you know, spending the next 40 years in some cubicle.
<laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. And Nick, yeah, I must thank you for coming on the show. You're awesome. We got, I got a ton of questions off and you answered all of them really in depth, really thoroughly. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. So Nick, where, where can people reach you to hear more, to contact you? What would be the best place for all of that? Uh, of course, would love to have you tune into the Side Hustle Show in your favorite podcast app. If you are kind of like looking, you know, what is out there in the realm of possibilities? Of course, the podcast has tons of examples and yeah. case studies on that. But sidehustlenation.com slash ideas is my constantly updated uh, laundry list of part-time business ideas that you can start today with no opt-in required over there. My hope is, you know, by the time you reach the bottom, you got, you know, six, seven, eight browser tabs open. So, okay. I want to learn more about that. You know, just get the creative juices flowing a little bit. Um, but Ryan, thanks so much, man. This has been fun. Awesome, Nick. Yeah. And everyone, those, uh, that the website po podcast out all be in the description. So definitely check them out. Definitely see what Nick is working on and Nick. Yeah. Thank you so much again. It was a really awesome conversation. Thanks, man.